Ladies, gentlemen, and others, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast here in 2024. I am your host, Lord Wonder, and I'm so glad you've joined us, especially because, as always, I've got my co-host, who's always got the most, James Daniel Walsh, sir. I'm giving you a grand introduction because I'm welcoming you to this new year, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I hope everybody's had a good start to their new year. I think they had a great start because we started this podcast feed by releasing James's top 10 Woody Allen films, which I got so much good positive feedback from. And you already know you got some positive feedback directly to you as well, didn't you, James? Yep. And it's, it's always cool to hear what everybody else's top 10s are. It is. And, you know, for podcasts and any kind of YouTube video essay, doing a top 10 is like the easy win. They get a lot of hits. Your one got a lot of hits right out of the gate. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed listening to your picks while I was editing the episode. And I'm glad to hear. Um, I was just glad to hear your picks, man. I thought you had a, a pretty good list. Uh, there, there's so many to choose from that it actually was kind of hard to narrow it down. Except for Stardust Memories, which me, me and you are never going to agree on. <laughs> <laughs> but let's continue with Woody Allen adjacent while you are here. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, because I know, I, you know, I don't, I don't actually reintroduce the new or introduce the new people to the podcast in this podcast series. Originally, we just reviewed the Woody Allen movies. We've gone back. We've spoken about all of his movies up to date. Woody Allen is still releasing movies to this day. But due to circumstances that we've spoken about in the past, he's at a much slower kill. In fact, his recent movie that he's actually finished, Coop the Chance, still hasn't been released internationally everywhere. To this day, I've heard that it's over here and over there, and it's been at some festivals, but we can't talk about it yet because we haven't got a release. So in the meantime, we do Woody Allen adjacent where we talk about other films that we find a string a lead, a connection, something that we have a discussion that we relate to Woody Allen in some way. And so far, me and James have been doing this for almost three years, just Woody Allen and Jason. It's been a lot of fun. We've talked about a lot of movies. We take it in turns. And this time, we've got James doing the pick. And James has picked a special, special project, which I didn't mention beforehand. We're going to do something a little bit bigger today. Well, actually, before I even introduce that, last time, on the last episode of 2023, we spoke about the California suite. Now, I do want to say we're using the help of AI <laughs> also to generate movies that, like, the audience around the world has had these discussions, these similar adjacent discussions. So that's a separate thing that I'll talk about throughout the year as well. But going back to what I just said, this is James's turn for his Woody Allen adjacent pick. So, James, please tell us what we're discussing today. Why you chose it, and we'll go from there. Well, we're not reviewing one movie, not two, not three, but four movies in a series. Oh. They are the Trip movies with Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, all directed by Michael Winterbottom. Uh, Michael Winterbottom, I should say. <laughs> and um, 
I believe, and see, this is this is where I I can't speak to this part. They were released originally as a TV series. Correct. Yeah. But that's only over in the UK. In the US, we got them cut into movies. Yeah. Correct. Which I didn't know until after I was just doing my research. I'm like, oh my god. Um, you know what's funny, James? I I would say to you, watching it, that explains a lot. But before I ask you why you picked this, I just want to say, watching these four movies, I couldn't imagine them as a TV series at all. No. I just couldn't. It just seems there's too much space. But I'll get more into that later. But James, why did you pick the trip movies? And uh, we'll go from there. Uh, I picked the trip movies because I always felt like they did have a little bit of a um, woody flair to them in that uh, I mean it's a it's UK sense of humor but it's got the looseness of one of Woody's movies and maybe because it was a TV series and they cut these movies into you know 90 minute movies it feels like they they move along like one of Woody's more one of his more esoteric comedies you know they're more joke 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 but there's also they they can get kind of serious at moments and also too i think in every single one of them a woody allen impression is done <laughs> so um yeah that also made me think of it so sure sure and i've got i had to get the clip for the woody allen impression as well but there are other impressions they do especially one in particular that this series is more well known for so let's go back and forth uh james i want to say that i never heard of this series as a movie series i seen it in glimpses as a tv series because just for some background the series was originally produced for the bbc the british broadcasting channel uh, i think it was shown on bbc2 mostly and it's one of them things that was always on that i would see in the background and it just looked like two guys talking shit over dinner. And I would just think, click, change the channel. This was sort of dry as hell. Uh-huh. Watching it now, as I said before, I could not imagine this as a TV series. And maybe, you know, maybe if I saw how they edited both, I could understand. But honestly, this these look like movies. They have a, a the way that they're executed, especially as a narrative, they're definitely movies. And overall, my opinion of this whole series is very hit and miss. When I first started watching it, I kind of cringed, but then unwittingly, I was laughing. I really thought it was entertaining. I thought it was great. All the reviews, most of the reviews I've seen for this, by the way, is generally positive, generally positive. But um, my biggest problem with this series is the tone. <laughs> the tone, know. it doesn't, it feels like this whole series, these four films, it has kind of two lanes that it swerves between, and those tones do not gel well. The first two movies are pretty lighthearted, in my opinion. The yep. second two are a lot darker, in my opinion. And oh. But all through each four movies, it swerves between being light and comedic, and especially in the last two, being a lot more pensive and just a lot more grim. But in general, um, I would say the issues I have, it's got nothing to do with the talent. Because we've spoken about Steve Coogan before. In fact, James, I'll ask you, do you remember the last time we spoke about Steve Coogan on our Woody Allen adjacent project? 
Yes, but I don't remember the name of the movie. I can picture the scene he's in. Yes, yes. And I'll ask you, paint the scene if you can remember. Do you remember what he was doing in the room? He was seducing somebody at a poolside. Correct. Well done. You've, it was Ruby Sparks. Oh, right. The really uncomfortable movie. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing. Um, Steve Coogan is an actor I highly respect because... People know him for his Alan Partridge character. Alan Partridge is like this fake, corny British journalist that's really quirky. And in the UK of him, Britain, he's like an icon. He's always had these quirky interviews. And even to this day, he has a podcast right now. It's very popular. He's a very beloved uh, British character. But Steve Coogan, the actor, has done so many movies, so many small parts. And I'll be honest with you, for a comedic actor, most of his roles are pretty serious mm -hmm. he's most known for uh philomena is that with judy dench yeah and i think he was nominated for two oscars for the movie very very good movie he always plays a darker character and in this moves movie series i would say he plays a little bit more of the straight man even though he's a comedic character i feel like against his partner he's a straight man <laughs> yeah and uh i just want to say i'll pass it on to you in a minute each of these movies end with him in a darker tone Mm -hmm. which always left me wanting like these guys are both comedians why is Steve Coogan's life so depressing and empty I, except for the um, the second one the trip to Italy I felt was the only one that ended on a little bit more of a positive he's with his son and everything sure, and it was sure. Rob Brighton who was in the darker yeah. spot in that one yeah so I just want to stop here and say I think in terms of the actors great performances i really loved it i really can see why people enjoy it i just don't enjoy not only the tonal shifts but i kind of i know this is where everyone every review disagreed with me i actually wanted a bit more plot and the little plot they showed they would just dip in and out of it there was just like someone peeking through a window you will see something and then they'll walk past it and they wouldn't mention it again and they'll go back to the dinners and it just, it kind of irritated me because I felt like it couldn't make up its mind whether it wanted to be just a light comedic food blog kind of thing, comedic thing, or if it wanted to be a retrospective kind of these guys dealing with their careers. It tried to be both. And that's where my frustration was. And that's where it reminds me of like 90s Woody comedies, mm. like husbands and wives and crimes and misdemeanors. And, you know, those are they're comedies but they've got those tonal shifts to them yeah where you have something kind of goofy happening and then it shifts to a much more serious dark subject matter but i mean to to set up what these movies are because they are also the reason i thought why don't we just do all four of them is because they all blend together definitely to a little definitely. bit yeah definitely um, we we could easily talk about all four of them and have it be the length of a regular discussion about one movie. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Yeah. They are the movies are Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon playing themselves, kinda, and each one is them being paid by a magazine to travel a different country, just basically eating at fancy restaurants and reviewing the meals and stuff. Mm -hmm. That is the plot of all four of these movies. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the settings, the first one is England, the second is Italy, the third is Spain, and the fourth is Greece. And they're playing 
versions of themselves. Steve Coogan is playing the egotistical asshole that he's made a career playing. Yep. But, you know, presenting it as who he really is. And Rob Brydon is playing kind of an annoying version of himself where it's he, you cannot turn him off to the point where you can see Steve Coogan wants to strangle him. We also do. Yeah. So... Yeah, they're not playing the most flattering versions of themselves, um, which is one of the things that I find fascinating about it is like in the second movie, Rob Brydon cheats on his wife. Yeah. And I'm watching it going, okay, I'm assuming he actually has a wife. Mm. How, does she, how does she feel about that? No, you know, the fourth one, <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the fourth one, Steve Coogan's father dies. Yeah. And I'm like, is his dad really dead is this how he like it very much blurs the line between reality and fiction when those things come into play you don't get any follow-up and for me that was really frustrating like you know i wasn't even going to mention about rob's extramarital affair but i was so curious hmm, i wonder if in the next movie he's gonna have left his wife and kid and be with her never hear about it again no and don't as, get me wrong. As, yeah. As I think happens a lot of the time. Sure. Sure. And again, it is a bit more realistic, but I'm like, they do that a couple of times with things. It was a little bit jarring for me. And again, that's just where I was wanting. And I was just thinking, though, if it was consistently doing that, it would have annoyed me. But the set that, I don't know, the way the movie's always ended, especially with Steve Coogan, except for the second one, as you pointed out, being, I mean, the third one, he's literally, broken down, no fuel, in the middle of the road. It feels like the director was trying to do something a little bit more artistic, but then when you watch the next one, it's never mentioned. It's it's like they... I'd be curious about the, the TV shows going into it because the fourth one just kind of mentions it briefly. Oh, you you know, you disappeared for a little bit. We were worried about you, and that's it. Mm. And in the third one, I almost felt like the ending was supposed to imply that he was about to be killed. Exactly. Yes. And you're right. It's when the when the fourth one came out, I put it on, I was like, well, they have to follow up on what that was, and they it's never really addressed. Yeah. I mean, in fact, they just there's always kind of a lead up to them going. You see them like pack up and leave uh I think they're in London. I think they both live in London or something. And you see them leave and get a boat or airplane. In the last one, nope, they already started their journey. And I don't know. I tried to find a lot of behind the scenes to see their mindset now. Looking at that, the the fun facts about the movie, apparently they thought this was a terrible idea. But the director believed just in their chemistry. And I think this is one of those that, when I look at this series on the whole now, I think to myself, they're great actors. I like their chemistry together. But after the third movie, it felt very same. And because I wasn't feeling so much with the plot, I wasn't seeing where it was going, I felt like, you know, when you watch uh, a show like uh, Jerry um, Seinfeld's Comedian in Cars and you just get half an hour of the core, the best bits of that and it's done. After the third meal, I'm like, you know what? This feels, unless this is going somewhere, I know I'm getting, I'm going to get the impressions. I'm going to get them ripping on each other. I'm not really going to get a base storyline. And, you know, by the third one, I really wanted it to go somewhere, to end somewhere. And when it actually did end, I felt 
I just, I don't know. I really wanted more. I wanted to complete some kind of story. But, you know, when I look at it on the whole, I don't even think that was the point. I feel if they, if they committed to it either being a light comedy or a drama and not trying to, like, shift between gears, I think this would have had a lot more longevity because, to me, and you said it perfectly right, all four films, this, this is one series. The trip, whether they're going to Italy, Spain, or Greece, you can kind of watch it in one go, and I'm sure you can even trim it down and have that one super journey where it fades in and out. Because for me, I was very frustrated, especially by uh, the actor, which is phenomenal, Rob Brydon. He is such a great impressionist, and he's such a he's got so much energy. If he wasn't talented at his impressions, this would have been unbearable. <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, there's. I feel like it happens in all four of the movies too, where he starts in on his impressions and Steve Cookin is borderline begging him to stop yeah. and it just keeps going. And you can see that Coogan is frustrated. And I think we're also meant to be frustrated. The, the movies, the way that I, I can't speak to the TV series. Maybe the TV series has much more of a plot to it. I would assume it does if it's, you know, stretched out over the, at least like two or more hours worth of content for each uh, series. But mm. I always thought that the movies were just meant to be like, we were going along on the trip with them. You know, we, it's, it's a whole lot of shots of scenic vistas and a whole lot of food porn and just them sitting down at, at nice restaurants that we wish we could be at. And enjoying the scenery, enjoying a glass of wine. That's just what it felt like to me. It felt like I was going along on the trip a little bit with them and also a little bit annoyed by them. I agree. It's you know what's funny? I want to give this series props. This series hits on one of the most beloved genres in YouTube history. That is the Traveling Food blog. YouTube has so many celebrities people that have come become celebrities from it have gone to netflix got their own cooking shows and this is that this is you know i won't say it started it but this show was ahead of the curve on that trend and seeing two comedians do it is so great but if i'm gonna nitpick and believe me i'm not i'm not one of those foodie guys that watches those things too much my girlfriend loves them i don't i like some of them the first movie when they go apparently Steve Coogan only was going to go because of his girlfriend. His American fling was a foodie and it was kind of her idea. He had the opportunity to do it, but he didn't really want to do it. It's because of her. She didn't turn up. So she called Rob, so he called Rob Bryden to come along. And essentially that's how it started. That's the first movie. Then the Observer or the Telegraph, I can't remember what newspaper auctioned him to do this. They called him back to do it, you know, every couple of years. But when they did it, the way the film, these films are cut, you would see them in the, the restaurants and then they were cut to the restaurant behind the scenes in the, in the kitchen. Really? And it looks really cool. You see them cooking the food and then they bring the food and they eat the food and they hardly comment on the food. Yeah. They would say it's nice, but they wouldn't comment on the food, which I thought was funny. I thought it was kind of an in joke. These guys aren't serious. But by the third movie, I'm like, wait a minute. You don't even see these guys writing up on their computers, their opinions, nothing. I'm like, it's just like an excuse for them. I'm like, 
So this, I'm like, come on. <laughs> I mean, that might be part of the joke, but I'm like, you guys aren't even fucking writing the reviews. They don't talk about getting shit for writing reviews. They don't talk about the food in any major detail. You know, the cinematography is nice. You see the food being cooked. I'm like, this is kind of a half-ass food thing. I know you're probably going to say it's just an excuse to watch them eat and whatnot, but I'm just like, but why do you show them cooking the food? That It gives you the illusion this is going to be like a, a, a serious part of this series, and it really isn't. Yeah, that's where I wonder if it is more of a part of the TV show. And they just maybe cut that out to make it a more of a, a streamlined plot for a, a ninety-minute movie. But yeah, I I feel like there you're right. There's never there's always a theme too. There's always some sort of like the tracing uh, Don Quixote and yeah. the, the trip to Spain and uh, Italy. It was um, Shelley and Percy. I think. Yeah, the Odyssey wasn't it? The Odyssey in the Greece. Yeah, and the, yes, in the third, yeah, in Greece it was the Odyssey, and there's always a theme, and the the stops to the restaurants, which are sort of what they're there to be doing, is sort of brushed over. You're right; they they they, they might go, mm, that's you know, that's really good, or that's what, but they that's it, and then they go into their banter and their impressions, and that's really the thing that I think that the the entire series is famous for is the dueling impressions. Sure. Sure, but it, I got tired of it by the fourth. I got to admit, and there was one part, and you want to talk about Rob Ryder not turning off. I think it was the third movie. My God, this guy would not stop. And at first, from a dramatic point of view, I thought, oh man, maybe that's this guy's mask. Maybe he just can't be the real him because there's some scenes where he's on his own and he does this man on the box skit where he just talks to himself and pretends Steve Coogan's there. And I'm like, man, this guy really can't turn it off. But when he goes home with his kids and his wife, he's still on. It's always on. Yeah. And I'm like, is this guy crazy or something? Or like, can people really pull up with him? And here's the thing. For me, you know, calling him out saying da da da, he is charming as hell. Like I said, if he wasn't talented, if his impressions weren't on point, and believe me, even though they're on point, he drives him into the ground. I couldn't, I honestly would tell you, James, I couldn't finish it. We can't talk about this movie. But Rob Brydon's impressions are fantastic. I think he is so fucking talented. I'm even surprised. I had to look up his IMDb to see what he's doing. And, he, you know, he's constantly working. But in terms of success, Steve Coogan is easily the more successful actor. And he does more drama when he's not mm -hmm. playing Alan Partridge, which is very interesting. So I find it very, I kind of like that. In this series, Rob Ryden steals the show. And not only that, the movie always ends with Rob Ryden. You see in Rob Ryden's life being pretty good. He's pretty happy. He's Even when he cheated with it on his wife, I was like, oh, well, word, this is going to take a turn. Nope. The, nope. One of the very last scenes you see of him in this movie, he's having a good old time with his wife abroad and his life is good. It's just opposed to Steve Coogan. And uh, his life is not good. Something which I won't spoil at the very end, very sad happens. Actually, you already mm. said it. His father passes away. <laughs> and, you know, it's just... And the last scene of this whole series is him just in a cab, probably going to the wake or something, and it's just to black. And the, at the end of the first movie, the very first movie, the movie ends with Steve Coogan in a dark room on his own with no yeah. one. Yeah. And it's just like, how am I supposed to feel? 
Now, you know, <laughs> this, this isn't a criticism because to my surprise, this movie series is loved. Like the Brits uh-huh. love this series. Love, 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 love. And I was thinking of you, James, thinking, you know, when it comes to Americans, and again, maybe I'm projecting, when it comes to Americans and British comedy, I find they either love it or hate it. Yeah. And then they have these series that are like a mixed breed production, like Black Mirror is a mixed production of um, British and American actors. And again, the the writer was British, but some of the directors are American, which is, I love Black Mirror. It's a great collaborative effort of British and American talent. Ted Lasso, one of the most beloved shows of recent years, is another British and American collaboration. You know, but, and then obviously we know that a lot of British shows get remade into American shows and that's happened sometimes the other way. So yeah. I was honestly wondering, like, does James really love this show? Does he like this show? How do you feel about the series, James? I love this series. I knew it was going to be one or the other. I knew it. You're you're right. They're, basically, they are movies where I will pop them on if I just want something that I'm not necessarily going to be paying that close attention to. And it's just something where I will... I will laugh. I will, you know, uh, I will be kind of transported to some beautiful scenic place. They're nice chill movies to put on. You know, the plot's not that engaging. You're not, you you could just stop the movie and it's fine. <laughs> like, you don't even really have to finish it. If like you get tired, you're like, yeah, fuck it. And you just go to sleep. There's that you know. There's not many movies like that where I will say they are inconsequential. Mm. They're but they're also charming. Definitely, and definitely. That's kind of all it has to be to get along. Uh, you know, you're not going to necessarily be swept away by them, but every now and then you'll think about like a certain part. Uh, I always, the one that I go to whenever I, whenever I'm feeling down and I, I'll just find the clip on YouTube. It's from the first movie where they're driving along and Steve Coogan is talking about how he would love to be in a costume drama. And he and Rob Brydon just start to bed for tomorrow we battle. And you know, it's, it's uh, we rise at dawn. Why is it always, why is it always dawn? Well, you know, t- tomorrow we rise at 9.30. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just watch that part and laugh. And I can watch it completely out of context. I don't need the rest of the movie around it. And that's kind of what the movie is. It's a series of completely out of context moments just strung together. And I'm I'm, I'm sure that the shows, which I would love, I can't, I, I would love to watch the shows, but I... Uh, I've never been able to find a place to stream them, and I've never, you know, been able to find a a, a DVD of them. But uh, I'm sure that the shows probably have much more in the way of like both plot and um, probably talk about the food. I would imagine that there's to some extent that maybe that's what the show also was was them actually talking about the food in these restaurants. Mm. But um, you know, the the movies they cut all of that out, and it's just basically two guys on a road trip hanging up pretty much and honestly my main critique is i just wish they stayed in one lane i think if this was just a light comedy like the clips the people have clipped this shit out to death on youtube all the impression clips all the little scenes when then going back and forth 
I wish this show was just that. When they started to introduce their personal lives, when they started to introduce the agents and their possible careers and their partners, all that, all that stuff led me to believe, is this going to be a bit deeper? But then they, they kept on, it was like an idea that let's put that in there. Maybe they were trying to be too realistic to give you everything, a bit of everything, when I really felt it would have been stronger just as a light comedy romp. And, you know, yeah. people kind of disagree with me. They like the introspection, especially the end, which I thought was probably the personally the... Well, not just personally. I think out of the four, the last movie is the weakest because it's kind of more dour. Mm-hmm. And by that time, even when they're doing the impressions, it seems kind of like they're tired. For me, it's the third one. The third one is the one I always just... I kind of just forget everything in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just nothing from the third one particularly sticks with me except for that ending, which is never followed up on. Yeah, and even the thing with his son, even with son, absolutely with the pregnancy, a lot of like serious life stuff happens, and I'm just like, oh, you might as well follow up on it. But you know what, James? I might have to give it to you and say maybe this is the edits that we don't know about. Maybe this is uh, them not finding a great way to consolidate a movie from a TV series. They've done the best they could, and you know, I'm just identifying. Maybe I'm nitpicking. But I feel like I'm identifying something that doesn't blend well, you know, and maybe something should, maybe some of the things more should have been cut. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just nitpicking. People love the shit no matter what. And, you know, you listening right now might not have any idea of this. You haven't heard of it like I didn't. Again, I didn't even hear of it in the form we're discussing it now. But just in case you, you, you want, well, whether you want to hear this or not, I'm about to play a clip. <laughs> one of the most one of the most popular clips on YouTube. And what this series is the most known for is the Michael Caine impression. Yep. So many hits on YouTube. This is about a two minute clip. I'm gonna play it and then later I'll play the Woody Allen impression one. But what I'm about to play it's just a little taste of these guys doing the impressions, man. So have a quick listen. Well broadsheet journalists have described my impressions are stunningly accurate. Well, they're wrong. I've not heard your Michael Caine, but I assume it would be something along the lines of, my name's Michael Caine. That is where you are so wrong. And you can look at my live video for proof, because that's the very thing I don't do. I say that he used to talk like that. Do you, Michael Caine? Okay. I say, Michael Caine used to talk like this in the 1960s, right? But that has changed. And I say that over the years, Michael's voice has come down several octaves. Let me finish. And all of the cigars and the brandy, don't let me finish, can now be heard. Okay. In the, I've not fucking finished in the back of the voice and the voice okay. now. Will, I've still not finished the voice. Because you're panicking. I've, you know, because you look stop. like you're about to bloody talk. Let me finish. Right, so, Michael Caine's voice now in the Batman movies and in Harry Brown. I can't go fast because Michael Caine talks very, very slowly. Right, this is how Michael Caine speaks. Michael Caine speaks to his nose like that. He gets very, very specific. It's very like that. When he gets loudly, it gets very loud indeed. It gets very specific. It's not quite nasal enough the way you're doing it, all right? You're not doing it the way he speaks. You're not doing it with the kind of... And you don't do the broken voice when he gets very emotional. When he gets very emotional indeed. She was only 16 years old. She was only 60. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. That's Michael Caine. You know, I think <laughs> in, the, in the second movie, they were going back and forth. She was only 16 years old. Like, 
they went back and forth for 10 minutes. And let me tell you something. It, you know when some things go on for so long, first they're annoying, then they go past the point of being annoying and being funny again. Some of the impressions just like, oh, this is just so cringe, guys. Come on, I get it. But then it just went to being funny again. And again, I would highly, the first two movies I think are really good. I think they're the right tone, the right mix. They caught my interest. They kept me in. They might have, they might have caught me too much in because that's why I wanted more. And the last two kind of didn't deliver on what I wanted as much. But yeah, Rob Biden, honestly, my God, he is so good at what he does. I never even, like I've seen him. He's one of those character actors I've seen, but I've never, I've never noticed that he was that good at impressions. He makes Steve Coogan look like an amateur when they're up against each other. And let me tell you something. One of the funniest things is, Whenever they go out, they bring, there's some, I think in every movie, a photographer and one of the assistants come with them. Mm-hmm. And every time Rob Biden goes, just goes for it. He just goes on impression, back to back impressions again and again. And they're laughing. Even the woman he ends up having an affair with in the second one, from the minute she meets him, she is, he is just so charming to her. And, you know, his wife, his kids, he's just such a charming character. You would just think that this this shit is just too much. This just has to get old. Yeah. And even there's even a bit where it seems like he's kind of leech. No, I wouldn't say leeching. He's becoming more successful than Steve Coogan. In terms of career, he gets a call from the manager that leaves Steve Coogan and then he starts getting more roles. And I'm like, this is some intrigue. But again, they touch on it and they don't touch on it. It's a very interesting series. In in some ways ambitious, but surface level. It's a comedy, as you said, about two guys having this traveling food journey, riffing on each other at its base or at its top level. Mm-hmm. You know, everything at the bottom is just there, whether you like it or not, whether you want more of me or not. And I really do think, I'm glad you recommended it. I can see the Woody Allen influence in this. And um, I'm going to pass it off to you in a moment and just say that I'm so glad I kind of watched this. I don't know if in terms of length the tv series would be longer but the movies were just the right length my biggest biggest warning to anyone watching this is i would say don't watch these back to back i would say no no <laughs> let, it, let it breathe <laughs> that was my mistake because i think if you watch these in the breadth that they're released in like the first one was uh 2010 2014, 2017. It's like a 3-4 gap. Yeah, that's a good reminder. But because uh-huh. I watched these back to back to back, it got very irritating. Yes. I, I can imagine that it would just get it's like, okay, they're fucking doing the Roger Moore impression again. Yeah. Yeah. That that's in, maybe is why like my my introduction to the movie, like I said, was I saw the first two uh back to back, and the third and fourth hadn't come out yet. So mm. I got to see those when they came out. And Trip to Greece, especially, it has a little bit of a, a special place in my heart only because it was a pandemic release. Sure. So sure. it was one of those movies that they just were like, okay, we're just going to have to stick this one, you know, pay-per-view. And so I watched it, you know, the day it was released. But yeah, if you if you just go into it watching them all in a row, then it's not like this lighthearted trip anymore. Now you're like, oh, fuck. All right. Let's think. The trip is the trip is now getting a little too long, and I'm really annoyed by these guys at this point. Yeah, and I think that you know you're right. If you space it out, if you 
you know, the last time I watched them, it probably took me like a year mm. to go through all of them. It probably took me maybe even a little bit more than a year. Like I watched the first one and then like six months later, I was like, oh, I'll, I don't know, put on the second one. And, you know, that's probably the way to go. If you, if you want to watch them, don't sit down and just try to get through all of them in a weekend. Yeah. For the podcast, I took it and, you know, I feel like I shortchanged myself a little bit. But no, I think this is a really good recommendation. I was actually surprised. I, again, halfway from like, this, I said to myself, James either loves this or hates this. <laughs> and I thought, well, yeah. You know, because when, when, I, I am the one who always bitches about uh, rich people and their problems. But I feel like the series does a pretty good job of acknowledging it by having Steve Coogan especially just be such an ass. Yeah. But they also, you know, the, when they start talking about, like, they'll start talking about death. They'll start talking about, um, you know, their children or whatever. And it's it it gets into these areas where they're still being funny, but it goes a little bit deeper. And so they don't feel like they're just these pretentious rich people who are going around eating at fancy restaurants and waxing poetically about the food it feels more like okay these are a couple of guys who i wouldn't hate being around them and this they this looks like it would be fun mm. so steve coogan especially i mean there's a there is a great line i think in the fourth one because it came out after philomena did mm. and there's a great part where rob bryden is looking for him and he asks somebody he's like i'm looking for my friend he's probably talking about judy dunch mm. and you know, just the fact that they're poking fun at themselves, that makes it so that, um, which I always felt like that was what Woody did. Woody never presented the sort of upper crust rich people as being anything other than just sort of creating their own problems rather than having problems. That's what Woody was always good at. And I think that this series is good at it too. When Rob Brydon cheats on his wife, that's on Rob Brighton. His wife, you know, his his wife seems like a perfectly lovely woman. Well, at the end, there was a little bit like maybe she might be cheating on him too. Because I just watched this yesterday, and there's a scene where he called his daughter, and he's like, "Oh, where's mommy?" And then she's like, "Oh, she went to the theater." And then he's like, "Oh, who with? I don't know." When she comes back, I don't know. And there was a look, and I'm like, "Are oh, they? They do this thing. They insinuate things. They plant these little." herrings around that makes you wonder and then they never deliver and then at the end he's with her out the beach and I'm but like Woody Allen sometimes these things just happen like that there's no answer they're not going to show you the answer people get away with infidelity and murder and again mm -hmm. that realism is here as well which I, again I could relate to Woody Allen's writings where yeah I mean you could do it where he goes home and he confesses and they have a reckoning or you could do it the way that it usually happens, which is he had a fling. He never talks about it again. And they go on with their lives. You you just triggered me, James. You really triggered me. <laughs> and you understand why. You know, when you said, when you said there will, there will be a reckoning, you really mm. triggered me. Triggered. Before, I, before I explain what that's about, and before I forget, let me play them doing the Woody Allen impression, which, you know, We've discussed some Woody Allen impressions, some horrible ones. One movie in particular that I don't even have to mention to James because we always talk about it. I think it's unanimously known as one of the worst Woody Allen film impressions of all time. 
and that has to be celebrity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, yeah, Jesus. Me and Simon Weld in that movie. But let me play these two doing the Woody Allen impression, uh, and I'll give you my thoughts on it after we hear it. I've got to tell you that mm, the food here is terrible and, and such small portions. Mm. You know, this, this, sex without love is an empty experience. But as empty experiences go, it's one of the best. You know, sex between two people is a wonderful thing. Between three, it's terrific. No, it, really, I, I enjoyed making love last night. It was the most fun I've, I've had without laughing. Mm. You know, they told me my, I heard my ex-wife was violated in the street. I said, knowing my ex-wife, it was probably not a moving violation. <laughs> my my mother-in-law came to the house. They said, how do you want to speak to her? I said, through a medium. That's that's Woody Dawson. <laughs> Sex between two people is a wonderful thing. Three, three, it's fantastic. It's very terrific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, met wife, I met my wife on the, on the tunnel of love. She was digging it. Mm. Right. My mother-in-law said she, you know, she wants to dance in my grave. I, I'm going to be buried at sea. Yeah, it's not as good as Les Dawson's voice. The way he does it was better. It was, I think so. But then I couldn't imagine him in Annie Hall. No. You know, when I hear people doing Woody Allen impressions, most times I just, meh. If they're short, mm-hmm. they're fine. I thought their one was all right, not great. Usually, again, Rob Bryden does a better job of impressions. I thought they were both pretty average mm. they're two guys with british accents trying to do the nervous n- jewish new yorker so yeah, yeah. um but the, there's clearly a love there for woody yes and, yes yes um you know just the fact that there that there is still i mean because the, the last one that came out was in 2020 the fact that there is still an acknowledgement that woody allen is a funny man Mm. who you can still like to me is one thing that I really applaud the movie for. I did. I did too. I did too. I'm like, cause back in the nineties doing a Woody Allen impression was the thing. It was just like the gold, one of the top three go-to impressions, period. Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. Woody Allen. I can't even think of another one, but they're top three. So, um, yeah. but two things I want to bring up. I'm going to bring up why I was triggered when you said the reckoning in the moment. But first of all, I do want to say, I was uh, looking for discussions about the movie. Like I said, I wanted to know, like I said, if you go to Rotten Tomorrow's IMDb, it's favored very well. But I just wanted to hear what some other people were saying, like on Reddit and all that. And a lot of people actually petitioned the director to make this a long-standing series with other actors, which I thought, you know, like I said, when you see these mini series of you know actors talking to each other and having fun i think a series of actors you know having their own city food blog and going on a trip and just riffing off each other is fantastic i think the movie idea of this series is fantastic no not the movie idea the idea in general i think it's a great idea that two community actors next to each other so on reddit and even using ai i generated a list of actors that would, you know, every season. Like, you know, True Detective, every couple of years they come out of a series of two big actors. I think this year, uh, Jodie Foster and some actress are doing it before it was um, Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. and um, Matthew, uh, McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. It was really iconic. I think this series had the setup to be that. And don't get me wrong, I know Netflix have shows like this and 
YouTube do this all the fucking time. But um, let me ask you, off the top of your head, I got a list of like seven couples or seven uh-huh. co- uh, seven people that will do this and people might like them. I'll get your opinion if you would watch this. But off the top of your head, give me one. If I say you're going to get two other actors to do this, who's it going to be? David Tennant Michael Sheen. Really? Mm-hmm. David Tennant Michael Sheen. That's interesting. That's I mean, they, they've got great chemistry on Good Omens, and they also had a web series where they played themselves, where it was it was during uh, lockdown, so it's ah. all over Zoom and everything. Um, but yeah, I did. That's the very first pairing that popped into my head. Well, I like how you had that ready to go. I, I heard you as soon as <laughs> you were there. You were ready to throw mm-hmm. that ball to me. So, so this is what Reddit said because someone made up a Reddit post about this and. I even asked AI to come with some ideas. I just want to get your rating. I've, give me a rating out of 10 when I throw these names to you. So here All we right. go, yeah? Mm-hmm. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Six. Okay. Ricky Gervais and Stephen Fry. Well, yeah, about eight. Okay. Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd. Four. <laughs> Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. Oh, God, 10. <laughs> that's a definite one there's oh. a couple of names I'm not even familiar with I know um, I don't like this one by the way Camille Najani and uh, is it Hassan Manaji I think that's it, the lady f- oh sorry I'll let you answer first it's, it's, that's, a, that's a woman let's skip to the next one <laughs> yeah because uh, the name I sounded familiar but I uh, there was like a comedian who got in trouble recently because it turned out all of his uh deep stories about being discriminated against were bullshit. So, oh boy. Oh like, boy. I don't know if it's that guy, but let's skip let's skip that one anyway. Okay. Here's one that I, I think is meh, but Addie Wong and Randall Park. Yeah. Six. Yeah, I'm I'm not coming for that. Alright, here's another one which I think is I can think of a better pairing, but Julia Louise Dreyfus and Larry David. No. You know what? Nine. I would watch. It's not a great pairing, but I would watch it. All right. I'll give you a Larry David and pick the other actor. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's too obvious. I knew it. Yeah, he's um, <laughs> Michael Richard. You could get a lot of. You could get a lot out of that one. I. You know what's so funny? I know we're guys. Sorry, I know we're going off tangent. We're having a bit of fun here. You know, because of the whole controversy with Michael Richards, the, you know, very unfortunate um, controversy, I don't even think he would be funny. I think he would just be very mute. I mean, even on that reunion um, season on Curb, yeah, he was quite, you know, toned down. No, but they did have some fun at his expense with the, you know, what 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 happened to him. So, yeah. Anyway, let me leave it there because I can go on forever, forever. I do want to say one of the weirdest things about uh, watching this movie series, and then I'll tell you why I'm triggered. One of the weirdest things about watching this, TV, this movie series right now is I'm watching two other things that are about like, one of them's old, one of them's new, that are about fictionalized actors in these weird situations. Number one is a series that is getting a lot of praise. I think it was just Emmy nominated right now. My sister recommended it to me. Have you heard of Jury Duty? Yeah. Uh, James Marsden, right? Correct, yeah. Have you seen it? No. Okay. Yeah, it's that kind of surreal. He's playing himself in this fictional jury. He's an asshole. And I'm like, 
why do I end up watching these things right now? And the other series I'm watching, which is absolutely fucking insane, is Barry. Yeah. Barry's... I I, I only got through the first two seasons, but I, I really want to finish Barry. Yeah, absolutely. I heard it just finished earlier last year or something, and I think it got nominated for an Emmy as well. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out, but it's, 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 it's insane. Absolutely insane. You know what? I would watch, talking about like pairings, I would watch one with Bill Hader and anybody. Yeah. But don't you think the concept of, I think this will be a great concept for Hollywood actors to go on the flu blog and be themselves. Even like, you made me think of um, Kevin Hart. I wouldn't want to watch Kevin Hart on the walk. They've paired up too many times. But I yeah. would like to see Kevin Hart with someone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Even if it was an actor, it wasn't comedian. Like Kevin Hart and Denzel, I'm not Denzel Washington. Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes. Because, you know, they're, they're uh-huh. pretty friendly right now. But anyway, let me lead on to why I'm triggered when you said The Reckoning. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, James. Boy, oh boy. So, as I said, we're talking about Steve Coogan. And although he has an Alan Partridge character, you know, very comedic. People love him. The Brits love that character. You know, makes a lot of money. Made a lot of money of him for decades. He's always been a serious actor. So Mm -hmm. I looked at his IMDb. And I saw the last thing, the most recent thing he did was a series called The Reckoning. And I thought to myself, what is this series about? And when I heard who he is playing, I couldn't believe what I fucking saw. Now, again, I don't expect you to know this person, but if you're a Brit and you do, I just want to say that Steve Coogan recently played Jimmy Savile. Oh, no my. Yeah. And I look, when I talk about Kevin Bacon, I always talk about someone who's always played roles that are very challenging very unlikable, but does it so well. And again, Steve Coogan plays an arsehole. Now, for those of you who don't know who Jimmy Savile is, he was a children's presenter, a children's presenter of television shows in the UK. He passed away, and this whole crazy shit came up that essentially for all of his, for most of his adult life, especially when he got into celebrity fame, he was basically a child predator. Mm. And he uses power and it was covered up by the BBC. And, you know, for an actor to portray such a hated person is just, for, it's just that mind blowing to me. He's such a hated, deplorable person. But for Steve Coogan to take on that role, you know what? I didn't even watch a trailer, but, you know, sometimes I'm, I've, I got respect for actors who take on roles of such <laughs> weight. But I just, you know, that face. Because, you know, you're going to... I don't know how far the series goes into the molestation or what he does. I'm assuming he doesn't go too far. They build up to it or whatever. But I just couldn't believe he took that role. No, that's a that's a gutsy role to take on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, speaking of Kevin Bacon, I mean, playing like a child predator, Kevin Bacon did that in a movie called The Woodsman. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I remember I watched... And there was a certain point in the movie where I literally had to just, I paused the movie and I walked away. I watched for, it. Oh, I, th- I finished it eventually. And the, the the scene didn't go where I thought it was going to go. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it was the one uh, we were sitting on the bench. Yeah. 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 Where it, as soon as he said, sit on my lap, I yeah. was like, nope, yeah. nope, nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the hardest scene in the whole movie. And you know. It was a it was a very acclaimed, when the movie came out it was so highly acclaimed people couldn't believe it. even the rapper Eve she was I think she was playing his parole officer or something 
So it was a movie a lot of people got involved with and they tried to shine out on something. But yeah, I got respect for actors taking on these challenging roles. I, I don't know, man. I was triggered just because I couldn't believe that. You know, I respect him for it. And I don't want to go on and on mm-hmm. and on about it. And when I say triggered, I don't mean I'm actually, actually triggered. I just mean I was surprised. I was surprised to see that he took that role. But yeah, I no, he's he's um he's a he is a really good actor. Yeah, he um, is. He and is. the fact that he also has a sense of humor and can make fun of himself, yeah, makes him somebody that I I would I respect. Yeah, and out of you know he was nominated in this series, a trick movie series. He was nominated the most for the it was the British actors film BAFTA British actors film. Yeah. he was nominated for like was it two and even um Rob Rob wasn't. I think he was nominated but never won. I think actually. See, Coogan won the BAFTA for this at one point. So, bit surprising. Bit surprising, mm-hmm. honestly, because I just thought Rob's impression was so good and, you know, he had a bit of moment. Anyway, yeah, I just wanted to... I think that's everything I wanted to mention about the series, James. Well done. I think this was a great pick in terms of our conversation. No, I do. I, I'm curious, though. Which one was your favourite? You know, it was either the, the second movie because the first one, I felt like they were eyeing out the kinks. The second yep. one, you know, you started to get a little bit more about their lives. The, their, their impressions were on point. Uh, Steve Coogan cut his mop haircut, which I hated. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but no, I think everything came together on the second one. And honestly, being very harsh, if I was going to recommend, I would say watch the first two and, you know, the last two are optional. But the first two are really, really good, really funny, unexpected. I didn't even, the first half an hour, I wasn't laughing, but they brought it out of me. They really, uh-huh. really, really did. Yeah, I, I agree. The second one is definitely the best one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so well done, James. The trip series, well done. And you guys listening, did not even know it was coming? <laughs> but yeah, man, thank you for that, James. Thank you very mm-hmm. much, good sir. Um, To wrap things up, I do want to say, on the next discussion for the Adam and Jason we are doing another request. This is from one of our biggest supporters. I'm not going to mention the person's name because uh, let's just say they were they um, prefer to be they per- they prefer to rename nameless. I can't talk right now, James. I'm getting tongue tied. But the next movie that was requested was a movie with ironically who we just spoke about, Kevin Bacon, doing a role <laughs> where he's not a creep or an asshole. It is a movie all the way from 1991 called Queen's Logic, which I saw the trailer for. And uh, it's another movie I was so delightfully surprised that we're going to talk about because I never saw it. I like what it's about. It's going to be a fun one. And I highly recommend, I'm highly thankful for the recommendation. And I have a confession to make to you and to our viewers. What's that? I completely forgot we were supposed to do the trip movies today. I thought we were doing Queen's Logic. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the movie two days ago. To get uh, you know what? But it's just a te- you, you were on point. I would have never known. If you never said that, James, I would have never known. I've seen all the movies, the trip movies, at least two, three times. So well, there you go. Well, you were bang on point. You've already seen Queen's Logic. <laughs> I'm going to ask you off mic for a sneak peek, but don't tell the people, though, because next time. We're going to talk about Queen's Logic when I've watched it. And we'll be right back here. So I want to say thank you for our supporter who not only recommended the movie, but supports the show financially by supporting us on Patreon. And yes, I'm going to plug it right now. Yes, we have an ongoing Patreon. Please consider supporting us monthly by joining. But 
If you can't do that or you don't want to, guess what? We've got a one-time donation link from Kofi. That's K-O-F-I. But if you want, if you decide to, we'd appreciate it. We've got a link tree link with those links down below and you can join us and, and help us. And, you know, it's really, really, I can't tell you how helpful it is, you know, supporting the show to do more things. We want to do more things, but we got a whole, we've got so much movies to get through. Thanks to the AI. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your recommendations. James, if they want to get in contact with you, good sir, like I would forget to ask you, James, if they want to get in contact with you, good sir, how can they contact you? Manic-expression.com, the Manic Expression YouTube channel, and uh, my books are all available on Amazon. And your podcast, Age Before Beauty, is still going strong because I, I watch every episode. You guys are funny. Thank you. We're Yeah, we're trying to figure out the next one. We'll be recording it soon. They had a Christmas special, which I want to link again, where they spoke about their top five Christmas movies. And I really felt, because I hadn't seen those movies you guys mentioned. I've saw Wonderful Life, but I think your co-host mentioned some. I'm like, okay, I haven't seen that movie. So yeah, no, there, there's, there were a few I did, I hadn't seen either. So. Yeah, I'm going to check, but I'm a movie buff in it. So maybe I'm biased and I love you guys. So maybe I'm biased again. But if uh-huh. you have the time, consider checking out their extra podcast. They do good work over there. The links to everything that James does will be in the link tree link, everything I just mentioned. And as for myself... I've got nothing else to say, guys. Welcome to 2024. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. Thank you for the support. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. Give this podcast five stars. We're listening to it on we're on every platform now. We're even on Audible somehow. Audible have got in the podcast game. That's weird. But we're on Audible. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're, you know, just subscribe. Share the love. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We're keeping our eye out for the release of A Coop to Chance. Like I said before, we'll prioritize that when it comes out. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you for another episode of Woody Allen Adjacent very soon.